This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Winter is here, and I encourage you to save your back this year. Contact Keller's today and get a quote for residential or commercial snow removal. And also, it is never too early to start thinking about spring. COVID has put a delay on so many things. Do not delay in getting yourself set up with one of the best in the business when it comes to getting your yard looking its best. Visit Keller's at their location on Kern Street in Exeter, Pennsylvania, just down the street from Blue Ribbon Dairy, or head over to their social media pages for more information. Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. Brian, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Dude, I cannot uh, explain to you how uh, honored I am that you would take the time out of your day to sit down with me today and chat for a little bit. I'm honored myself for <laughs> anybody that wants to chat with me on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> well, you were, you were actually just in my town uh, in the beautiful Scranton, Pennsylvania. I think it was like two weeks ago. I had so much fun there. You were playing at a montage and... I think, and I, if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I think you uh, hit up uh, one of the bars afterwards and did like an undercover karaoke. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you tell me what bar I'm that gonna was? I'm going to be undercover if I'm going to give away my cover. All right. All right. I'm sorry. I don't know I'm what sorry. you're talking about. Though some of the guys went down to a place called Poor Richards. Poor Richards. Uh, okay. I don't know anything about that. Fact, you weren't I there. Promised, uh, promised my people that I would never, ever do that. Uh, go sing karaoke. Yeah. Okay. Well, that never happened. All right. I did it. I don't care. I did it. <laughs> I enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun right? to do. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, you know, and um, it's only fun if people don't know who I am. Like I can't, if I go into a place and everybody recognizes me or the, you know, if the, uh, who's ever in charge, what are they called? Are they DJs? I don't even know. I don't want to insult a guy that's running karaoke by calling him the wrong thing. But <laughs> if they know who I am, then it's no fun. Right. I mean, what's the fun in that? Because they'll come and they'll say, hey, we know who you are. Will you do karaoke? And then it's a whole different thing. But if I can go in there and not let people know who I am and do it, then I do whatever I want. And usually I want to do the freshman. And nobody ever recognizes me which is great it's, it's funny to me if it makes me laugh and make my bandmates laugh which it did then it's worth it i mean i don't know how people wouldn't hear you sing and then kind of be like wow this guy's really killing it maybe i'll look up uh, uh and at least an image of who the lead singer of the verve pipe is and for now i didn't mention that yet but i'm uh, joined by brian vander ark from the verve pipe uh one of my favorite bands growing up in the the mid 90s uh, but yeah, I would definitely at least be like, wow, this guy's really killing it. Um, maybe I should see if this is him. Would you though? Because I would, uh, I would, because I've done, I, I've been to karaoke before 
where somebody was doing something and they sat and they had the impression down on the whole thing. And I never even thought to pick up my phone and look it up to see if it was that person. <laughs> so it's like if I go out and I'm going to go busking or something, you know, if I'm going to go in the subway and I'm going to be singing the freshman with my guitar out with, you know, looking for change, which I'm going to do very soon uh, for your uh, viewers and listeners. Um, and I would be shocked if anybody would know who I was because you would never expect me to be there. Who's going to expect me to be at poor Richards in Scranton, even though we did play a show there with Ben doctors in Scranton that day. Actually, I wish I would have got, uh, which would have got those guys come down and do their, their song too. That would have been fun. That would have been fun. That was a bar. I saw the, the imagery around you and I was like, I've never been in that bar before. So I couldn't, I had to do uh, some internet sleuthing to uh, find out. Um, well, they're, uh, they're good people there. We, we, we went there fairly early and then they didn't have karaoke until eight or something. So we were there from five until eight drinking and eating burgers and the whole thing at the bowling alley there and uh, waiting for karaoke just so we could get up there and be four or five that went up. And I think three of our guys went up there and did something. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you played the show at Montage a few weeks ago. Um, was that one of the first few shows that kind of, you know, you, you, you played after the pandemic? Or have you guys been touring a, a bit? Uh, no, we've played quite a few shows since the pandemic. I mean, yeah. we took, we, we lost, we've lost 50-some gigs because we play so often, but during the pandemic. But, <clears throat> you know, the first opportunity to go back out, we went out. I think we went to Omaha in mid 2020. So that was like right in the mix where it was starting to come down before the, you know, the variants came mm -hmm. in. So we got a show in there and then we got a bunch of shows during the variant still. So we, we kept pretty busy. We That's just, good. you know, we just, first of all, we're all vaccinated and we encourage people to get vaccinated and mask up and the whole thing. And so when we did that and then we were masked until we per performed, I felt like we're doing all of the things that we need to do. People want to come in and they want to wear masks. A lot of these shows were masked. That's up club, that kind of thing. But uh, I felt like we were responsible in how we approached it and had the opportunity to play. I'm going to take the opportunity to play. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. And the verve pipe, not to be confused with the verve who, uh, Oh, they're you, confused every day. What do you mean not to be confused? <laughs> not to be confused. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Though. That would be great. What? <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I was from your mouth to God's ear, John. I mean, let's. You know, every single day, I get tweeted about uh, or something. I get that's, tagged in the wrong thing. It's fun who, though. Who that's was fun, dude, I get a lot of mileage out of that too. Yeah, fact, who, I'm going to do karaoke. I'm going to do Bittersweet Symphony. That's got to happen. There you go. Sure. <laughs> who was around first the verve or the verve pipe i mean we can wikipedia but and find out but it was like i know what happened and i know what happened to me here and, and our situation with the band was we we hadn't had a name yet it was 1992 august of 92 we didn't have a name we had the album done and uh we uh we were like we need a name let's pick a name. And so we all set up, we're drinking and our guitarist at that time said, well, let's call it the verb pipe. And that's it. Final answer. And we were like, what does that even mean? Ridiculous. You know, but we were 
drunk and tired and it was like all right and so we said the verb pipe approved of the artwork the next day let it go and then three weeks later we look in some we used to love like few magazine and i think it's nme what are these other english magazines back in the day we'd we'd read these english magazines because we were huge brit pop fans and uh and uh and we saw this band the verve we're like oh wait a minute the verve and like well what they've already had an album out and they had a new album come up, coming out called the storm in heaven i think at that time so we said well what would the chances be that our band would make it and their band in england would make it and that our paths would ever cross it just seemed like it's so unsurmountable insurmountable unsurmountable um whichever it is yeah side you can edit that out don't edit it out i don't mind looking uh so we let it go and then our hit songs were within months of each other it was so confusing like i remember cake and cake like i remember those two bands were out at the same time cake like wasn't nearly as successful as cake but you know there was black crows county crows cheryl crow i mean all the crow thing and there was a little bit of confusion in the beginning of that, but really it was nothing like a, an original word like verve, which not a lot of people have used. That's why it's so confusing. Still confusing today. I mean, the verve got sued in the initial, because they were called verve, and they had to add the, ver, the to verve because verve records sued them, which is a jazz label. So they've been through... Besides that and getting sued by the Stones, they've been through much more than we have, so we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we ended up pretty unscathed in that old thing, so. Yeah. And what was it like? You mentioned a lot of these band names, Counting Crow, Shell Crow, but, you know, you talk about the Jim Blossoms, Beck, um, you know, Soundgarden, Tonic, Smashing Pumpkins. What was it like to be in the mix of all those names, like, kind of in the same time? Amazing time for music, for songwriters, I think. Um, Cheryl Crow, great songwriter. Uh, Black Crows, great songwriters. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Counting Crows. I mean, Adam's a terrific songwriter. You know, mm-hmm. so we're in a period of time where you know, you know that they're writing their own songs, which is, you know, what I lament today with today's music. You don't know who's writing what, and if they're buying courses and all this stuff. People do. So we knew who we were back then, and we knew who the other bands were, that they were authentic and they were songwriters. And it was always more interesting to go to a party or play a festival where you got to meet these people who wrote these great songs and talk about the process and that kind of thing. Um, And so it was a terrific time. I mean, I think we were the last bastion in the late 90s of the bands that you could be sure were bands that wrote their own songs. and, And it was a great class of 97 96 97 98 90 yeah up to 98 i think were really good classes of rock and roll of alternative modern rock rock and roll bands so it was fantastic you know the festivals <clears throat> a lot of radio festivals super popular then they'd put they would put you know skinny puppy with duncan chic on the same bill you know <laughs> it's just so you go up there and you take a chance on you know getting pennies whipped at your face you know because the People from, you know, there to see, you know, prong didn't, you know, want to see tonic, you know. Right. So you the the festivals themselves always sucked. But the best part about it was backstage and getting to go to people's buses and party and say, hey, and like hang out and that kind of thing. So that was a great period of time for us. It was great. I think, you know, the nineties were it just had some great music in general. 
Um, I think I want so. To... It was a good, really good generation or a really good decade of uh, of music. The nineties, a path. I mean, when Nirvana broke, that's when things really like were just amazing. If you look back on it now in hindsight. Because right before then, I felt like it was pretty bad. And there were some great albums here and there, you know, like U2 at Octune Baby that came out. Pixies had Doolittle, which I listened to incessantly. Um, But overall, like what was popular, like I used to work, I used to stock shelves for a company when I go to Walmart and I go to Kmart and I would stock music on the shelves in 1990, 91. And it was Vanilla Ice, and it was Paula Abdul, and it was Millie Vanilli, and they and they would sell out so quickly that I would I'd go in there every other day to places, and I'd have to fill up the bins, and then I'd have to stack them up to the ceiling of extra Vanilla Ice, knowing that in two days I would come back and have to do it all again. Talk about disheartening to a musician, you know, to just go, oh, my God, when is this shit going to end? You know, New Kids on the Block and all this other stuff that I just hated <clears throat> uh, back then. Now I like New Kids on the Block. In my, You know, I don't want to say anything bad, too bad about them. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, it was really disheartening to be in that early 90s, uh, you know, time of music until... Like I said, Nirvana broke, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, when it all came to all came to a head. And I wasn't a big fan of the hair bands either, you know. So when that whole regime switched over and it was modern rock, alternative rock, I was like, finally, these people are playing the music that I love, you know. And then we got our shot. That's the only way we got our shot. And what was that like? I mean, I don't know how old you were. I, I feel badly I didn't look it up. I was third, uh, mid-30s, or not mid-30s, I was 30. When the freshman hit? No, I was thirty. Yeah, I was thirty-two when it hit. I think thirty-two when it finally hit, like when it was on top of the charts. But yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I I had a long haul. You know, I was in the army out of the military. I was in the military for four years before, you know, out of high school, and then worked day jobs and played in different bands and was a lounge singer for a while at the Holiday Inn bars. You know, just trying to figure out what to do and. So it took me a long time to get the band together and actually do something. I remember my 30th birthday was going to quit. Uh, <laughs> I was going to quit on my 30th birthday. I was. And I told my girlfriend at the time that she was a punk, by the way. And I told her at the time, uh, punk in a good way. Sure. Uh, I said, I qu- I'm going to quit. And she, uh, on my 30th birthday, because I got to you know, do something with my life. And for my 30th birthday, I was so depressed. She bought me a four-track recorder. I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is like the greatest woman ever, you know. And uh, I started recording the demos and stuff, and she kept me at it because of that. So I'll always uh, – I'll never forget that. That's awesome. So, how, yeah, I mean, how did, how did the music happen? If you were ready to quit, you were in the Army, like, was, was music always something you wanted to do? And Yeah, songwriting was what I wanted to do, you know. I mean, I grew up listening to the 70s songwriters, the – Harry Chapin's and James Taylor's and Cat Stevens and Nick Drake and all that really good acoustic stuff, finger picking stuff. Cause I knew how to finger pick. That's what I did at the holiday and bars. I'd finger pick. So, and then you play dust in the wind and all these other finger picking songs, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so I wanted to be a songwriter and I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. I got my big break. First big break with Willie Nelson. That was 1990. 
I met Willie. He asked, uh, he asked me, uh, I gave him a demo tape. He said he'd listen to it, and he did. And then he called me and asked me to play a Farm Aid 4. That was in 1990. So I thought I had a shot as a songwriter. Uh, and so I played Farm Aid 4, and I got to meet Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and, and uh, Neil Young, and Lou Reed, and all these other icons who were in posters in my bedroom. And uh, that gave me the inspiration to keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. But when, you know, when I turned 30, it was like, okay, I gave it four years of this, gave it a real shot. You know, that was when I was 26. So yeah. And that's it. It's going to be it. If I can't do it in four years after getting on stage with Willie Nelson, then something's wrong. This is not what I'm supposed to do, you know? Yeah. So the freshman hits, uh, the album Villains, uh, which is, I think, a, an incredible album front to back, really. I mean, uh, the freshman, obviously, uh, Cup of Tea, uh, Villains, Ominous Man, all great songs. I mean, like, what happens next? You're, you're on tour, with, uh, you know, all these other bands. Like, what are you, what's, what's going through your head? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we had already established ourselves pretty well before that. We, you know, 92, 93, 94 uh, were great years for us. Or 93 and 94, really. We were selling out the theaters locally, you know, so 2,000 people at a theater show. We were selling albums like crazy without a label. And so it all felt like it was going the right way, you know. And uh, I, I felt like, well, we can do this without a label because we had like six or seven labels come and pass on us, including RCA who ended up signing us. So we had already felt like we had the machine going. We didn't really need a label, which was, you know, very naive in hindsight because we did need the label in the end. We couldn't have had a huge hit song like that. Um, so it kind of felt like everything that was happening was not a huge shock. It was like, okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense, you know. They want this to be a single photograph. We wrote it to be a single. We felt like it was a single photograph was our first single and it was a top 10. And then we were like, okay, cup of tea is next. And we just thought, okay, cup of tea is great. People love it on the record. They keep saying they love it. So they're going to release that. And it tanked. It was a single and it tanked. And then they were going to put a nail, the death nail in the coffin. coffin. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, and then they said, we're going to jump to the freshman instead of doing Reverend Girl, I think was another one. And Ominous Man was another single. We're going to jump to the freshman because we think that's the only one that you have left. And I was like, okay. And they jumped to the freshman and, and it exploded. I mean, that, you know, so, you know, we really didn't have any idea that it wouldn't happen. In hindsight, you look at it and you go, okay, of the thousands of bands that were signed in that time, tens of thousands of bands, how many actually made it? We didn't think of that. You know, knowing that now what your chances are so slim, I'm very thankful, you know, and I'm thankful that I didn't know anything about it because that would have drove me crazy, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. And I mean, like, what was it like trying to follow that up? Like, you know, I, I know you uh, had one in 99 that came out. Um, and then I think like 2001, um, you had um, Underneath came out, which I think was, I think had songs on it that were, you know, were ready for radio hits. And I think um, that was like slightly after 9-11. So that kind of put a, a yeah. halt on the whole thing. So what was it like trying to, you know, move well, past? It was hard because, you know, right away, well, initially following the freshman up with another song, I think they went with villains. And, uh, you know, we had Dean Carr do the video, who's a great video director, and we had all the push and everything. And then villains 
didn't really do anything because all the radio stations kept saying, we're still playing the freshman. We can't play another Vert Pipe song. And this was, you know, six months later, almost a year later. And they're still playing the freshman. Well, that's a really good problem to have. I realize now, but back then it's like, oh my God, stop playing the freshman, please play <laughs> villains. You know what yeah. I mean? We need another hit song here. Uh, and so then it was like, all right, we're going to go home, take a break. And we're going to write. And then we wrote and we wrote a song called Hero and a bunch of other songs for that second record that I thought was a great record. But we took a year and a half to record the album, you know, and that that hurt us. That was our fault because uh, we wanted to get it perfect. And then we went in and we had a bunch of hit songs that we thought, well, this is this is all gold. I mean, RCA was like, you got five hit singles on this record called Underneath. And then they release it and it's released, you know, a few short days after 9-11. You go, well, nobody bought anything. Then you couldn't promote anything. And so it was just the way it played out, you know, uh, which is, listen, I, I've still got a good life in music, you know, and uh, and I'm really proud of those records. There's nothing out. I haven't put anything out that I'm not proud of, which you know, a lot of people can't say, so it ended up being fine. Yeah. I think people, you know, obviously you're not going to make a hit record like, um, villains and then try and put out garbage afterwards. Right. I mean, not everyone may like it or enjoy it and, and appreciate it as much as the songs on villains and underneath, but, um, it's always a, it's not fair to artists. I think when they want to try and to, uh, either explore different options or, uh, create new sounds. Everyone wants to, you know, I want you to sound like the freshman. I want you to do that again. Well, yeah. I mean, real songwriters, I think real songwriters, the ones that don't just write the hit, the ones where it's, you know, where they're trying to be artists and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to take the parts of the crowd, the ones in the crowd that care about the songs and care about your artistry. Those are the people that you want um to go along with you and you try different things and you know if i was to write the freshman again and there are plenty of bands that keep writing the same song over and over and have huge success uh, it's not about the success it's not about the you know it's not about the riches and the whole thing riches are nice but my kids get to go to a nice school we live in a nice house in a nice neighborhood we're perfectly happy the way things are yeah you know, had I continued to write the same hit song over and over and over, and this is not an excuse, it would just be so boring to me. I want to do something different. I've always wanted to do something different. That's why I dip into acting or writing. I dip into other things. I mean, I enjoy that kind of thing. It just it doing the same thing over and over just doesn't sit well with me. It's boring. Yeah, I don't want to be bored. You, you do acting? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I mean, I. I mean, I've been in a few things, a uh, few major things, but, you know, small parts. But just I do it for fun, you know. I sure. don't do it to get paid, and I do it to be art creative. And I and a lot of times I'm in Friends movies, and I write movies for my friends to star in and that kind of thing. And we've done that. We've won some festival stuff, and that's that's super fun to me. It's being creative and having a good time doing it, you know. Yeah, with you saying that, um, being creative, I know you said earlier that, you know, the pandemic didn't uh, affect you guys too much. You, you kind of did the right things at the right time, masks, all that kind of stuff. But when that first happened and, you know, you're canceling shows every day, uh, I talked to a lot of musicians. And one thing I was, was always worried about was, you know, what if they can no longer be creative? And that's, that's who they are. It's what they do. And like their whole lives are being turned upside down. Well, there's a difference between being creative and, and, and creative expression. Okay. So, I, I, 
equivalate uh, creative expression with live performance. Okay. I could play the freshman. I can, you know, we can put on a show doing the freshman. I can do it a cappella. I can do it with just the acoustic guitar. I can do it with full band. I can do it with our drummer on Congo, Congos or something, you know, that's creative expression. Being creative is a whole different thing. That's what I try to teach my kids. Do something creative every single day. Draw something, doodle something, paint something, write something. You know, and I, I encourage everyone to do that because it opens up and it it, uh, it exercises the right side of your brain, which is the creative side. It, it, it helps in creative thinking and the whole thing. So um, being creative is important. Whether anybody sees it or hears it doesn't really matter if it's if you're being creative, if you're massaging that right side of your brain. Uh, I enjoy creative expression. I love to perform. I love to perform with the verve pipe more than I love to perform solo because I like the camaraderie of the band and I like to play off other players and like do things to each other to uh, to um, excite each other, you know, other members. That's That's creative expression. That's what I missed during the pandemic. You know, I didn't stop being creative. I definitely was more creative and wrote Jesus, I wrote another album. We wrote a whole album during the pandemic. So that's the universe's time for me. That was the universe's time that said, okay, the pandemic happened. You got 50 shows that are canceled. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write an album. And that's what we did. Uh, so, you know, why it happened, who knows? And, and but, you know, we, we had to make the best of it. And we did by being creative. You know? Yeah, I like the uh, the way you kind of differentiated that because you're right it, it you can a lot of bands still they, they've made it through by being creative they just you know the creative expression was not uh accessible at the time but right yeah just uh i mean did you ever think we'd ever see anything like that uh no and i saw contagion <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> watching those Soderberg movies fan <laughs> you know steven Soderbergh is it Soderberg? yeah Soderberg, whatever however you say it. uh yeah, i was a big fan so i saw that and i was like ah it's not gonna happen, you know. But what if it did, you know? And that was what that movie was seven or eight years ago. And I saw that awful movie with Dustin Hoffman, the same thing, the Airborne. What was that movie called? Outbreak. Outbreak. Terrible movie. Even terrible <laughs> acting. But I was like, ah, oh, come on, you yeah. know. And no, you just think about four years ago when you go through an airport and you see somebody. Usually, it was somebody, uh, you know. Um, uh, you know, somebody from the East wearing a mask, just one person, you go, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, that was just three, four years ago, where now, think about the babies that were born three years ago. They don't know a life without people wearing masks. It's like a whole, that's the whole weird thing. That's the whole thing that's like super trippy about it, is that Three years ago, I guess it would be three years ago, I never would have thought I'd be walking around and people would have masks on. I mean, what if you were in a coma in you know, the year before the or three months before the pandemic and woke up six months into it and you go, What my God, what is going on? You know, what happened? That was the odd thing to me. But Yeah, I mean it I mean the world changed overnight. It was really crazy. I just uh the day before the world shut down, I was scheduled to go to Boston. And haven't been back since. I just got back yesterday from my trip, my annual trip with the the guys. And uh, yeah, it just it's it's an amazing thing. With um, you know, it's it's weird. You know, you're you're we're able to see people's faces now. Some people are wearing masks walking down the street outside, which I always think is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, you know, especially being outside. 
You know, it's, it's, uh, I still do it. I do it. I do it where I wear them outside just for, I mean, you know, the nice thing about this is that, well, I mean, I'm in Grand Rapids. So Grand Rapids, Michigan is a, it's a couple hundred thousand people. It's like a, it's smaller than Austin. It's like a Des Moines, you know, mm-hmm. maybe about like that size. Uh, and second biggest city in Michigan, but I'm, I'm pretty popular, uh, you know, and people know I live here and they, you know, a lot of people know where I live, you know? Sure. So, you know, it's nice to go out with some anonymity, you know, sometimes when I'm with my kids or anything, I walk around outside with a mask on. I'm six foot five, so it's kind of hard. But if I wear a ball cap and sunglasses and a mask and I, I, you know, people don't come up. Sometimes I like to be recognized. And sometimes I like to chat to people and sometimes I just want to do my own thing. Sure. So it's nice to have that option to be able to put a mask on and cover up. Yeah. <laughs> cover up my face. Well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a different uh, situation for you. And, you know, the size of the city. You're not too, famous but... in your town, John? No. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I, uh, I have a name for myself, but no one is like trying to to hang out with me. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't uh, get on stages and then sing. Uh, well, I've done karaoke before, very poorly. Uh, usually uh, after a few drinks, but um, you know, no one's no one's hanging out with me. No one wants to hang out with me. But uh, no, but I mean, thank you for doing this. It, it really means a lot to me. And I, I started this podcast as a way to. I used to host a radio show, um, and it kind of. Uh, it, it, the, the station flipped, so they canceled the show, and it really focused on like local musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to create or, or continue to be able to have them uh, you know, have a place for them to to talk about their music and things like that. So when I'm able to talk to people like you, and I, I've talked to like Tantric and guys from Breaking Benjamin and and all that kind of stuff, I think it kind of just gives um, a little bit of validation to what I'm doing, and maybe. Uh, people see or hear that like, oh, we had, you know, the guy from the vert pipe on. Like, this must be legit. So I think it, it also helps, you know, expose the other artists who aren't at your level. Uh, so I mean, just thank you so much for for sure, doing this. And, yeah, I mean, um, this is your way of being creative. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know what? It, it, people keep saying that because like, I always like I'm, I always say I'm not a creative person. I really am not. You don't feel but, like this is creative. Well, that's a, that's a, when I say that, people are like, "What do you think you're doing right now?" And it's yeah, like okay. creating content. Yeah, the, I get the, it. I get it's, it. It's the definition of being creative. Yeah. <laughs> you're creating something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're asking questions. I mean, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so. But yeah, I mean, when the freshman came out, I mean, I was a freshman in high school. Um, so it's like, that's, it's always cool to, because obviously um, the song had nothing to do with being a freshman in high school, right? Right. Um, that would but be, that's how, well, that's a whole other song, <laughs> right? Well, that but that's to me at the time it was like relatable in that sense. So I think the music is so it's so cool when people, you know, hear things and they 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 relate to them in different ways. And a lot of times, people and musicians don't want to talk about what the song means because they want people to be able to kind of, you know, hear it how they want to. Sure. Um, There's yes. a reason for that, though. Yeah. There's a there's a real brief. I know you're trying to wrap up, but really briefly, there's a reason for that because. Once you put a song out there, I've always believed once somebody else hears your song, that song belongs to them now. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their own idea what it's about. And, and I've had people come up to me and, and ask me what it's about. And I'll tell them what it's about. And they go, no, 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 no that's not what it's about. And you go, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, I wrote the song, but okay, <laughs> you tell me what it's about. Uh, that's why, because let people take what they want from a song. <clears throat> and a lot of times there's misheard lyrics and whatever, nobody cares. They don't care because the song means something to them. 
for me, it means nostalgia for those people. It means they get to get transported back to 1997. Where were they? You know, who were they with when they saw it live, if they saw it live, or how many times they blasted it going out to the bar or whatever, uh, that kind of thing. But people have their own idea of what the song's about. I, I wouldn't argue with them, you know. Anyway, yeah. but I'm just saying that's a reason why we, as songwriters, you let people keep it open for interpretation. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I, I you know, didn't dig too deep into it back then because obviously it's a it's a powerful song and you know we'll, if you want to talk about it you can i'm not trying to wrap things up uh, uh for me I'm, I'm doing this for you no, i appreciate it <laughs> i'm sure you don't want to be here all day uh, i could talk to you all day if you wanted to but uh yeah i mean it's a powerful song yeah i mean it's uh it's more powerful than there's more weight to it than what most people knew when it came out you know it was a very, uh, very dark and disturbed subject matter. Um, and, you know, the record label didn't put it out there that it was about abortion and suicide. And and people were singing at the top of their lungs and arm in arm and like, you know, and like they were a bunch of drunken sailors singing and like nobody ever really thought they had to go any deeper now that you get older and you go oh yeah this song and then you listen to the words and you go oh my god that so many people go holy shit i had no idea this song was as dark you know as as it was while we were you know like i said singing at the top of our lungs but that's one of the things that comes with age maturity uh you start to analyze things more and you say that's I think that's why the lyrics are being analyzed more. I think the Boston Globe just did an article on, you know, uh, on the, that time when there were songs about abortion on the radio for the first time. Brick by Ben Folds was a song about abortion. You know, he he touched in the same area I did. Um, but nobody really wanted to talk about it back then, which I don't blame him. You know, music is music is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to escape. That's why we don't talk about politics on stage and this kind of thing. You, people want to go there to escape. So you go escape and escape with us. Awesome. We always have a good time. I think we always put on a good show for them. And uh, if part of that show, if, if during that show, I were to stop and tell the story of what the song's about, I think that it would be a downer. It'd be mm-hmm. a bummer in the show. I'll say a few words about how I wrote it and this song means this and thank you so much for the support and that kind of thing and play the song. It's a whole different thing if I'm going to get on my soapbox and talk about, you know, the right to choose or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, so we keep that for people to decide on their own, you know. Yeah, I like that you said that about politics and things because I don't, like you said, it's for entertainment. People go to shows and they listen to music for to escape the, the the politics and the bullshit and it's it's yeah. uh i i don't uh like it when bands use their voice for political meetings i, I don't know it's just well that right. for me i have a problem i don't have a problem outside of playing a show and doing it if i'm sure. going to post something if i'm going to tweet something or whatever and it's political i have no problem with doing that and, right. Uh, I've been called out many times for that, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I pay my taxes and <laughs> I have a right to have a voice. I vote, you know, so I do have a voice. However, Absolutely. on stage, my voice is for singing. My voice isn't for politics. Right. And that's how I feel about it. So. And I got a comment on your hair. It's beautiful. Oh my God. Is it bad today? No, it's, it's so good. I'm like, I'm like, it it's, it's so, so good. I'm like, when I saw you at Montage, I'm like, this guy, like, I mean, I've seen you online or whatever. 
Uh, I think you try to embarrass your children on TikTok and things. How much work is put into that? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely nothing. No, you just, you wake up that way. (laughs) Actually, I'm fortunate. I got a great uh, hair person. I get my haircut once a month. She does a great job. And this is what it is. Uh, I might wash it once every three days, (laughs) put a little product in it and go. So good. Thanks. I'm lucky. My I got a long line of good hair in my family. Knock on wood. Uh, my old my grandfather had a full head of hair when he died at 82 years old or whatever, and his hair looked great. <laughs> Everybody commented when he was laying in the cat. Look at his hair. Always look good. <laughs> That's funny. That's all I can ask for from people to me. Yeah. Wow, his hair still looks good. It does. You look like you. You look better now, and I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm happily married to a woman. Uh, I'm happily married to a woman too. Yeah, but I mean, you, you've you've aged very well. Is what I'm getting. I at. appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. John. For what it's worth. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what you looked like before, so I can't comment. I don't know. Comment for you. I was I was uh, probably 75 pounds skinnier back when the freshman came out. Uh, didn't have the facial hair. Yeah. Uh, I had a better hairline than I do now. I'm very fortunate. I still have hair. I'm not, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely racing back, but I'm, you know, how old 30, are the guy? Uh, how old are you? I'm 39. 40? I'm 39. Yeah, 40, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I only I, did that. I didn't do that from your look. I did that from the math of being a freshman, by the way, when right. the freshman came out, you're welcome. You're probably thinking this guy's probably lying <laughs> to me about being a freshman. Uh, yeah, man. But, well, and cool. real quick, I mean, you just had a, a an album come out last year, uh, Threads. Um, what's 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 next for uh, the Verve Pipe? Uh, we're shooting a video this week, which is great, off of a song called "Save Me." Uh, it's a really fun song off the new record. Super rocking and uh, fun. It's all about uh, how my neighbors, how my neighbors do drugs, and uh, we live in a very cool, uh, fun neighborhood, suburbia. Um, Fairly affluent, and I mean, like in a in a manageable way, you know, not super rich area, but you know how everybody gets together and they all party really heavily. And even though we all have kids in school and everything, it's a lot of fun. So we're doing a video about that this week. And then, uh, you know, there's no new music coming out, but we've got this tour with Five for Fighting coming up this summer, which is a big deal. So it'd be nice to get out with those guys again and just staying on the road as much as possible until the new new album is written. You know. Cool. Well, best of luck with everything. Stay safe. Um, thank you again. Uh, I, I can't say thank you enough for doing this for me. It's, it's it's such an honor to, like I said, talk to you. It's 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 so it's so weird. I never thought, you know, as a freshman in, in high school, I'd ever be talking to the guy who sang the freshman, you know, when nice. I was forty. So thanks, man. Uh, thanks for crazy place. Me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, best of luck. All right. Thanks, brother. Awesome. See you thanks. Later. Bye. See ya.